Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. And joining me today is Ali Hamant from the Tahini's Restaurant Group in Canada. And uh, he he started uh, tweeting uh, quite a bit right around uh, March, uh, April time after COVID, and we get into why. But what's, what I love about these guys is they took their business to a Bitcoin standard. And it's just another, another story of coming to the realization of what, what Bitcoin is, first of all, to you personally, and then what it's going to mean for your business and the people you employ and the knock-on effect, obviously, that that can have as well. So I really appreciate Ali coming on and sharing his story growing up and ultimately leaving Egypt to get across to Canada and start this business. Hope you enjoy the show. I uh, want to give a quick shout out as usual to coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. If you're in the UK, you can go start stacking some sats. Thank you at Obi for your early support of the show. Really appreciate it. Also been a previous guest. You can go and check out that episode. Big up. Thank you so much to swanbitcoin.com forward slash once bitten for showing some trust in the show and uh, my my work. Really appreciate you guys coming on as well and supporting the show very, very early, actually. And um, and placing your trust in me to, to show your company. Really appreciate that. Of course, Adam Woodhams, at Adam Woodhams1, who puts this show together, at Jim Reaper. You can go find these guys on Twitter. They are true Bitcoiners and are in, they've been doing great work in helping me out. Adam puts the show together. Jim's put the website up and running. That's once-bitten.com. You can go and check that out. And thanks to all you guys, whoever is listening. Thanks for the support, rates, reviews, Twitter banter, anything. It's, it's all well received and I love it. Let's get into this one with Ali. Hope you enjoy it. I'll catch you after the show, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. And joining me today is Ali Hamam from Tahini's Restaurant in London, Ontario. It's amazing to see his actual face and see him smiling and um, speaking back at me rather than through Twitter because I've seen uh, lots of his posts. Ali, great to see you, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Daniel, for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Uh, I've been a huge fan of your show for, for months now, and uh, it's great to finally meet you. And of course, we have Lauren here. And uh, she's got... Hi, uh, well, I, I, I was going to ask her what question. You, you're already loaded, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, let's go then. Um, so I heard that you owned a restaurant and I had my question, why did you decide to start up a restaurant? Uh, sorry, why did I decide to stack up uh, what exactly? Uh, the restaurant. 
to start a restaurant? Yeah. Oh, to start a restaurant. Uh, so to be honest, Lauren, uh, we came to Canada in in 2011, and we wanted to start a business or open a business, and uh, we saw this restaurant for sale. And we just came together, me and my brother, and decided to buy it. And uh, we were never in the restaurant industry before that. So one day we were just, um, you know, regular people. <laughs> Next day we own a restaurant. And that's how it happened. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. We have to go there one day. We, have to, we do have to go there one day. One thing we need to make a, a trip to Canada when we can all fly again and go and visit each other and hug each other yeah. and say hi cool. and go and have 100%. some of our Ali's food. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'd love to have you guys over. I'll make you the best Middle Eastern food you've ever had in your life. Mm. And you're not going to regret it. <laughs> and uh, what, what, what kind of food do you think Middle Eastern food is? What, do, you, do you want to ask Ali what kind of food that is? Yeah, because I don't think, I, I don't know what Middle Eastern food is. Well, let's is, find so out. What is it? Well, we have some, do you know the chicken shawarma? The big like chicken they put on like a, on a spit and it, it turns around on the rotisserie and it cooks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so we make those, and we make shish kebab, and we make all sorts of other good food as well, falafels. You'd have to try it. You'd have to come and try it. Yeah, it sounds yeah. amazing. <laughs> Do you have any more questions for Ali? Um, no, it's my shortest one. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. important, though. It's about food. <laughs> oh. It's great to finally to finally meet you, Lauren. I've huh? been hearing all of your questions on your dad's show, and you have been doing a great job. And I'm sure you've learned a ton out of it. Okay, my dad just reminded me of something. Um, this is okay. a question. Um, can you like buy Bitcoin? Like not buy it, but like when they don't have any cash, can you like? That gives you, the, you use Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah. can you use to, Bitcoin? To, to buy the, yeah. the shawamas and it? Uh, so, good question, actually. We, uh, we get that question a lot from people in the community. Uh, the answer is no. Um, not yet. Not sure if we'll, ever, if we'll ever start that. And the reason is because I, we view Bitcoin as uh, savings technology, kind of like your personal piggy bank. And we, we think that there's other ways of, of doing like little payments um, that are more efficient than, than Bitcoin. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I think as well, is there something behind it? Like you, you don't want people to come in and part with their Bitcoin you yeah, wanna... so this is this is another thing too, Daniel. Uh, we like we keep getting asked that, and I keep telling people, guys, do not spend your Bitcoin. You right. know, um, you know, give us regular fiat cash, and we'll convert it to Bitcoin for you. 
Um, but we believe it will ultimately help people um, if they if they afford it and if they save it up rather than just spend it on on a shawarma or, or something like that. Yeah, because there's a very famous story about a guy that bought a pizza, two pizzas with some Bitcoin a, a number of years ago. And if I've got, I mean, uh, the listeners are going to be screaming at me if I get this wrong. I think he paid 10,000 Bitcoin for a couple of pizzas. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think Ali ever wants to be in the position where he accepts someone's Bitcoin for a shawarma and that shawarma in five years' time becomes a $10,000 shawarma. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yes. And if yeah. that guy had not sold the 10,000 Bitcoin, he would have had goodness knows how much right now. Uh, yeah, like 100 million or whatever it is. In dollars. Or he would have had 10,000 Bitcoin. Because yeah. that's the way it works. <laughs> Yeah, so well, anyway. the, the short lesson is do not spend your Bitcoin. Hoard it for as long okay. as you can. Spend it on big things like um, maybe in the, in the future buying yourself a house or education or, oh. or something important like that. Yeah. Yeah, we really need a car. Uh, we yeah. only have a car with five seats. We do. <laughs> we are... We are uh, we're doing the classic Bitcoin Bitcoin thing of uh, delaying gratification. Even though there are six people in our family, our, our big family Land Cruiser broke down, uh, so oh. it's done for. She was twenty three years old. She'd done two hundred fifty thousand miles and uh, gave up one one day. So now we we are down to one car that doesn't fit the whole family in. So when lockdown, yeah. the next lockdown happened in France, I was actually that's brilliant. That's another month. I don't have to buy another family car. I but can just keep stacking. It isn't brilliant for me because I can't go see my friend. Uh, we, we'll make do. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. We'll be all right. Anyway, uh, do you want to say goodnight to Ali? Yeah, goodnight. I hope you Thank you, Lauren. Podcast. Thank you. It was great to meet you. Great to meet you too. Goodnight. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well... Let's get let's get to the backstory. How did you guys end up in in Canada in the first place? Because um, you know, I'm sure there's. Well, I, I know for a fact actually because I read your tweet, your your tweet thread, which is very heartfelt and um, very um, humbled to to have been mentioned in that and to have been part of your your guys' journey. But if you could uh, explain to the listeners your background and, uh, you know, what led up to this, this moment in life? Uh, yeah. So we, I graduated from Egypt in, uh, 2011, sorry, 2010 and 2011 hit and we were faced with the Egyptian revolution. Uh, me and my brother were both living in Egypt at, at the time. And we both participated in the uh, revolution from the first day of protest. And we marched across Alexandria and all the way to Tahrir Square. Um, we participated every day and, and uh, it, was, it was a great moment in our lives. 
Uh, and if, then, do you mind if I if if I just ask what what was what was going on there? What 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 was the revolution? What what had led up to? What were you guys, you know, protesting against and and rallying for? Yeah, so we had a uh, a dictator, President Mubarak, uh, who was president for thirty one years at the time, up until twenty eleven, and. Year over year, especially in the last uh, decade, uh, things got worse. The corruption got worse. The inequality uh, got worse. People, if you're young and you're starting your career, uh, if you don't have any connections high up in, say, the police or the military or anything like that, you you were really like left behind, and other people. Um, had the advantage over you because they had these connections. Um, the, the police brutality was was horrible, um, and it just kept building up over time until people had enough. Uh, and then on January of 2011, the whole country uh, went out into the streets. And Egypt's like 90 million people. Hmm. So it's, and they're mostly cramped in like Cairo and Alexandria. <laughs> right? So they all, we all went out in the streets that day and we wanted to overthrow the president. Of course, uh, the protesters were met with uh, riot police, uh, tear gas, uh, those big like riot trucks that shoot that shoot like water, um, kind of like a fire truck but for protesters, uh, and and yeah, and then the the people won at the end, Daniel. Um, they they fought the riot police. They they uh, burned down the police stations, and within a few weeks, they overthrew the president. And for the first time, Egyptians felt like what it, you know, like the, the, the feeling of freedom that they can say what they want or, or, or do what they want without, you know, with equal fair game across all levels of society. Right. Uh, and, and yeah, so after that, we uh, decided, you know, like we want to move out of Egypt. We want to move to Canada to start our careers. So we did that. To uh, late in 2011, uh, we all moved out of Egypt, came to Canada. Uh, my father at the time, uh, he was working in uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, and he was kind of like back and forth between. Egypt and Saudi Arabia and coming to meet us and, and going back. And my parents wanted to retire. We wanted to start a career. We figured, you know what, this is the perfect time uh, for us, for all of us to move to Canada. And my father came to a realization that when he wanted to move, he couldn't actually move his capital out of Egypt to Canada because he wanted he wanted to fund his retirement home here. 
And the banks just said, no, uh, you can only move like a thousand dollars a month, uh, something like ridiculous, almost like an insult. And he said, okay, so, you know, like I just got to go back to work. And he went back to work, Daniel, for another six years by himself in Saudi Arabia. Even my, like, me and my brother and my mom almost to Canada. We stayed behind in order to fund his their retirement here. So from 2011 to, to 2017, uh, where things got a little bit easier to move money around, we witnessed the Egyptian pound drop 65% against the US dollar. And luckily my dad had uh, a lot of his, his wealth in real estate, but he did have a lot of, of it in, in fiat as well. And he saw basically what he worked on for his entire life uh, get cut by more than half in less than five years. And, you know, like, this story is really personal, Daniel, and I, I hope, I know people, other people go through that exact same story. Like, it's not just us. And even though I went through it, uh, it didn't really, that wasn't the story that led me to Bitcoin right away. It took me a while for me to get that. But... I really think that Bitcoin is the solution to that. And hopefully we can, I can help people make that connection sooner rather than later. So anyways, yeah, like 2017 came, uh, the currency collapsed and, uh, but we were able to uh, move money out of the country. It wasn't easy. Like it was still pretty hard, but, um, it was kind of doable and my father ended up, uh, we kind of pushed him to retire at this point and, uh, he still wanted to go for like another two, three years or something like that. But we brought him in and yeah, now everybody's living here. Uh, that was kind of like, I kind of jumped with the story. Like that's kind of my, my parents' story. I just wanted to build a backstory to to where this all leads yeah um, appreciate that but, yeah but then so when we came here in, in 2011 late 2011 uh we started looking for uh a business uh you know we started looking at anything for sale maybe like uh just a business to run so we can you know start our careers and we found this restaurant in London, Ontario that uh, does Middle Eastern food and, and was, had like a good location and uh, and a good name. So we bought it, we ran it, then we rebranded it to our brand, Tahini. And we've been running it ever since. Uh, we grew that store from one to two to three to opening the fourth right now. Um, and 
we uh, we developed over the years as well. We turned it into a franchise model that we uh, now we actually have like our first franchise location just opened up two weeks ago. So um, yeah, we're on the path to becoming you know the best Middle Eastern franchise in the world. Uh, I truly think we can do that, and um, and yeah, which led us to 2020, and it got it got really crazy in 2020. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's how we started. Um, anything anything you wanted to know in yeah in particular? I want to go back to the days where you guys hit the streets because you know there's a there must become a point where enough is enough that enough people will rise up and do whatever it takes to to remove someone from power and to like to be I think we're almost numb as bystanders to you know, riot police on the streets on TV. You know, very, very few of us have ever actually had to face a water cannon or a tear gas canister or a wall of shields and batons and helmets. Yeah. Can you put that in perspective for any of us? That. Uh, yeah. To be honest, it was like, um, it was, kind of like you being into uh, a, a fight almost uh so your your adrenaline kicks in and um the the excitement you get from the people around you is huge because you see the whole you feel like the whole country is standing with you and then you face the riot police and you see them at a distance and they're marching towards you. And then it gets a little scary, right? And then some people are running the other way and but most people are running towards them and you're standing there not knowing what to do. Uh, we were, we were kind of, you know, going forward, but not really wanting to engage with the riot police. Um, when you get hit with tear gas, you, you know, it's horrible. But people around you, around us, were walking around with Pepsi bottles. And apparently what you do is, like, they, they tell you, we didn't even know this, but they tell you, like, put it in a piece of cloth and, and just put Pepsi in a piece of cloth and then put it on your face. And it kind of calms uh, the effect of the tear gas. And... And yeah, we got, at one point, we got surrounded by, by police from both ends. They wanted to squeeze us in. And we saw that they were coming close and they were on both sides of the street. So we kind of ran like inside a building, hid there for a little bit. There was no exit from the other side or anything. We stayed there for about maybe, I think it was like, 20 or minutes or half an hour. We came out to see what's going on. The protesters have beaten the riot police and took their batons and their shields 
and they're walking with them in the streets. So the protest went on and the revolution went on. Um, yeah, like it's it's scary. You don't really um, you don't really know what to do or what to anything. We we don't want to be in in the in the violence part of it. We're just wanting to be there for the support. Uh, but yeah, you get hit with the violence, so you gotta you gotta figure it out. You gotta you know you gotta protect yourself. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much how it feels. But yeah, man, it's like being in some kind of film or on a film set. Did, did it feel that way? Like you know, completely surreal. Hundred percent. Yeah, like it felt. Um, like when you when we saw the people, Daniel, I I can see people uh, as far as my eye can see. So you really you you get that feeling right away that you're on the right side, right? Doesn't matter what it is. If you can if you can look any direction and you see people as far as your eye can see, you uh, you feel like you've got backup, right? Uh, so that's what we felt. We felt like, you know, this revolution had, uh, you know, had meaning, had purpose, had reason behind it. And we thought it was going to change the country for the better. Um, of course it didn't, that didn't happen. The country, um, like kind of, you know, just got worse and worse every year after that. Uh, and that feeling of, of euphoria we had, you know, where we thought, you know, okay, this is where everything gets better, um, just evaporated away. So what did happen there? Another dictator just came into power. What what was the what was the transition? Yeah, they made they had like elections um, uh, at the time, and then the, the Muslim Brotherhood won the election. Then the army. After after them like running the country for a few months, the army basically came in, did a coup, overthrew the president, and took over. And now the army is in charge. They did they did another election for for the you know for the leader of the of the army, and he won by a ninety nine percent vote. And um, yeah, that was. That was it. We're back to square one, pretty much. Um, Mubarak, which was before him, he was also an army uh, general. And that's how he came to power. And yeah, so the president right now has been president for I don't know how many years. Uh, seven or something like that. And he's probably going to stay for another 15 or 20 years after that. And do you still have uh, friends and family there, I guess, that you, that you left behind? Yeah, yeah. We got lots of uh, family, friends. Um, a lot of my family is here now, thank God. Uh, but I still have tons of family back there. Um, it's bad, Daniel. Like, um, the opportunity you get is, is really bad as a young individual. And to add on top of that, the currency is really bad. Um, you know, just the 
everything is really fast, really. Like, there's not a whole lot of opportunity there. Damn, man. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for um, sharing that because over here in our, in our privileged little worlds, we, we see glimpses of, of news flashes or, you know, a, a Twitter thread or something, and then it's kind of lost in the pile of, of other nonsense that's going on. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just great to get a rounded opinion from somebody that was there with boots on the ground and, and living it and, have, you know, being affected and how it affected your family. So, yeah, appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So you, 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 get to, you get to Canada... And as you explained, you, you, you start setting up this business and it sounds as though it's going great and you get your, your father over and uh, you can start pushing on with life. And then this is in your tweet where you start talking about, bam, 2020 happens. And like this haymaker out of left field that just comes and knocks you back 50 feet. What, what yeah. was going on? when when all this started hitting so i'm not gonna lie to you daniel it was tough the first couple of weeks uh when march hit uh we saw a plummet in our sales of like 80 percent, 70 to 80 percent right and at that time we we had three locations the fourth was under construction it wasn't open yet, so that got delayed. And then going through that, we, you know, you, you don't know if it's going to end or not, right? So you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God, like, am I going to go out of business next week? Am I going to go out of business next month? Am I going to go out of business? So, like, you just keep your, your fear of going out of business is always there. So we did what? Any restaurant, any business owner would do. Uh, we hustled and we gr- we grinded uh, day and night at all three locations to get the restaurants up and running. Uh, thank God we were like uh, we were doing takeout and delivery, and we like we had all the online integrations and all of that. Uh, so they considered us an essential business, so we could stay open. And then we basically let go of most of our employees. Uh, we're three, we're three partners in this business and we have three restaurants. So each one of us stayed in one of the locations day and night. And we were doing everything in the morning from like making, prepping the food, making the dishes, cleaning up at night and, and mopping the floors. Like it was, you know, like, uh, the constant grind day and night, and we did it, you know, um, that was March and like maybe the first week of April. And after that business started picking back up, we, uh, we started, you know, getting, you know, feeling the, the, the business coming back strong. We went to all the people that we let go to hire them back and they told us, no, we don't want to come back. We're getting uh, subsidies from the government. They're on government programs, and they're getting money just for, for being at home. And if they come back to work, they would stop getting that money. So we're, we're like, wait, we don't 
Like it didn't make, it was really bad. Like we, as business owners, we were like thinking to ourselves, okay, how is this going to be beneficial for the economy if nobody wants to go back to work? But anyways, we told them, okay, screw you guys. We're, we hired a new team. We trained them from scratch. And it took us like a week and a half to train them. We got pretty good at that over the years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then we're, we're back, back in business, right? So this is, that was the, the, the restaurant side of things um, in uh, like in March and April, right? Because uh, by the end of April and May, we were, we were back to normal and, and our numbers were actually back right away. So we went from like an economic crisis to uh, everything being okay all of a sudden. So at the same time, uh, during all this with, so the Bitcoin story started with me personally. Um, I have been investing my personal money over the years and I was very fortunate to kind of avoid the crash. I was mostly before I was mostly investing in stocks and, uh, when like at the beginning of 2020 in January, I sold most of my stocks. I was like 75% cash and only 25% left in the market. And when the crash happened, I was just like, this is the opportunity to, to buy back in. Uh, this is the, you know, the blood on the street, you know, everybody talks about all the time you buy when there's blood on the street. So I did that and I started buying so many things, right? Mostly stocks, but then I bought a little bit of Bitcoin, right? And I bought it after it had like that 50% crash. And, but to be honest, Daniel, when I bought it, at first, I didn't really understand what Bitcoin was. I just bought it out of uh, curiosity. And also, I got to give kudos to uh, Preston Pish. He, uh, he kind of convinced me to do that first buy. So I did that. And after I bought a little, I started telling, like asking myself, hey, well, what is this thing? Right? What is this? Bitcoin thing that I just bought. So I started studying and I started doing research into it. And I came across the number zero on Bitcoin by Robert Friedlow, who you've had on the show many times. And as soon as I read that article, Daniel, it clicked for me. It clicked for me that, you know, this is what money should be. It clicked for me that, uh, you know, the, the, the idea of absolute scarcity is an idea that we've never had in our lives. And it clicked for me that there's a lot of people that don't understand that yet. So ever since then, I was down the rabbit hole. I bought Safety Dean's book. First of all, I first I bought more Bitcoin. Then I bought <laughs> Safety Dean's book. I devoured that in like three days. Then I bought more Bitcoin. Uh, I kept listening to your podcast, uh, Daniel, and, and other people in the community. 
Uh, I started reading articles um, uh, by VJ and more articles by Robert Breedlove. And, and I read The Price of Tomorrow by Jeff Booth. And every time I would learn something new, I would, my conviction would grow and I would buy more. And something interesting happened with me that, you know, it grew from an investment idea, right? Which to have a few percentages in to a really good investment idea, right? So I put more into it to a savings technology, right? Which is way more than just, like, just an investment idea, right? to ultimately to a way of life, right? And it just kept growing in my head, at least, uh, changing, you know, you know, my, my thoughts on Bitcoin was changing as I was learning more about it. And um, as this was happening, so by the way, Daniel, I was doing all of this during the craziness of, of what we went through with our business. So as I was doing, like, like I said, I was making, making the shawarma fit and, and washing the dishes. I had my AirPods on and I was listening to you and I was listening to books and I was, I was learning as much as I can. And yeah. And then I dragged my partners into this, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, uh, every time I'd read something, I'd, I'd send it to them. I'd, uh, first I just talked them into buying a little and that kind of also sparked their interest. And I just kept dragging them down the rabbit hole with me and they kept buying more and going through the exact same process, uh, that I went through until we realized that we're all Bitcoiners at this point and we all have over 50% allocation personally. Uh, some more than others, but you know, over 50 and, you know, but we, we ran out of money. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we started talking, we're like, okay, business is doing well. You know, our, our reserves are, are, have always been healthy and, but have been starting to grow as well. And we talked in, okay, well, we're not, we're not going to be using this cash for, for at least uh, a year or, or more. Why don't we put some of, some of it in Bitcoin? And we had a few meetings about that. Then we saw the Michael Saylor news. And that tipped us over the edge. <laughs> um, and that gave us the confidence to, to jump all in. Uh, so we did that and then we tweeted about it and, um, and I've been, and ever since then, I've been trying to help people, uh, down the rabbit hole, um, ever since. That is such a great story. I love it that you, <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> you, you're there washing dishes. Anybody walking through or past the restaurant would just like, you know, did, completely discount this guy that's in the back washing the dishes, but he's got earbuds in listening to Bitcoin podcasts back to back and downloading just 
the, the most amazing knowledge into your brain and making life-changing business decisions. It's Man, this is the stuff of films, right? There are so many stories like this. In 10 to 15 years, think of all the cheesy Hollywood films that we've had in the past, you know, like uh, The Pursuit of Happiness and stuff like that. This is the, it's going to be the same kind of thing in, in 10 to 15 years' time, where we're going to have these, there's so many of these personal stories out there that people are going to be able to, like, like you guys are, you know, drag yourself out of a situation and find yourself in two to five years' time if this thing does exactly what we think it's going to. I mean, what what do you think about that? What you know, if you project out in five years' time and you have the cash reserves in Bitcoin and you don't have to sell them and you can keep adding to them, I mean, world domination, Tahiti's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. We think like you know, at one point where we're going to be able to open one or two restaurants with just one Bitcoin. Mm. If not more, like, you know, like mm-hmm. we're maybe three or four restaurants with just one Bitcoin. Um, and, and it sounds crazy. Like I don't, you know, like when, uh, we keep, when we talk about price predictions to, uh, the people, I don't really like to do that because it's, it's the idea that's so powerful that, you know, it's, the fact that it's the, the best savings technology that we've ever seen in history just, you know, gives you so much freedom with your business to, you know, to, to, to earn and get paid in, in money that, you know, you, that scales over time, right? You, like when you, when we come to ever since we gone on a Bitcoin standard, uh, every every day we I come into work, I feel that the money that I'm making is is not being inflated away at all, zero, right? And that alone makes me work with so much more passion and motivation, and and trying to grow and trying to make the people the best food that I can just because of the feeling that, I, that I'm not being stolen from, right? Mm-hmm. And Bitcoin will continue to do that forever, right? It's just now a really good time that it's also a, a great investment opportunity as well, right? So when we came out, we said, you know, we hope, we hope that medium and small size businesses front run this thing because we know that big corporations are, are going to jump in. It's just a matter of time. And surely enough, we started seeing Square and, and uh, you know, more hedge funds, institutions get in and it's happening, right? And, you know, like if you're, if you're too lazy to do your homework, uh, you're going to be the last one to buy it. And I'd rather see a world where medium and small businesses um, get the advantage of something as beautiful as Bitcoin, right? Because they're going to get it. It's just they're just going to be really late to, to the party. And, um, 
yeah, I just I just hope they they do their homework, you know. I completely agree. It's exactly exactly how I feel. Like, as much as I love to see the uh, the uh, like the big the big news hit the wire because that that's a big kick up the ass that does help people start learning about it, and we need it to be in the headlines. Uh, anyway, I've got a question about that a little bit later on, but I want to bring you back to something you said about you had the situation where you couldn't get the guys to come back and work for you because they were getting paid more by the government to sit at home than to be actively out there, you know, seeking work to, to put themselves in a, in, a, in a better position. This is the crippling truth of, of UBI, which I don't think people are really taking too much notice of outside of the Bitcoin Twitter space. And if anybody's listening to this and, and you know, is new here, like this, this concept of just being given money for, for nothing is, it sounds great, but it cripples small to medium-sized enterprises like yourself. All of a sudden, you know, Tahini's, you are in direct competition for labor with the government. That's yeah. a race you're never going to win. And that is not, uh, that is not a fair playing field. That is a rigged system. And that is just doing nothing but damage to mom and pop stores, whatever you want to call them, SMEs, it doesn't matter. People that are doing the work and trying to build the communities and um, build the businesses and serve the communities and hire people within that community are getting, they're just getting slapped left and right. First of all, being ordered to close sending all your customers and imprisoning them in their homes and then paying them to stay there. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, it would have been a lot better to, to give, like, a supplement subsidy or, or something like that where it encourages people to go back to work and get paid more somehow. But, like... Either way, like we, it, it affected us big time, and the the feeling you get out of something like this is that you know money is just being worth less. The dollars that everybody's trying to work for is being worth worth less because you can get them sitting at home, right? And of course. It's true. There's the total money supply is, is gone insane, parabolic, right? But you, every normal person gets that feeling, right? But they don't know how to express it, right? They don't know how to, what, what's the solution for that problem? Uh, they, they, they avoid talking about it because they say, listen, focus on what you can control and, you know, don't bother yourself with anything else. And I, you know, what I think and what I keep telling people is that, you know, guys, like, Bitcoin is the solution for this, right? Bitcoin is the peg to central bank recklessness all around the world, right? Bitcoin is the one thing that is pegging all the central banks against the wall because because of its absolute scarcity, right? So it's 
basically, you know, if if you if you're on a Bitcoin standard, you don't care what governments do with their money. You want to print trillions, go for it, right? Bitcoin's gonna go to five million a coin or whatever, right? You want you want to be responsible, go for it. Doesn't matter. My my purchasing power is not being diluted, right? And as as Michael Taylor likes to say, your your monetary energy is being stored and is not losing, you know, battery, not losing anything over time. And that's the great, that's the great idea behind Bitcoin, right? Is that everything, you know, every single asset loses, you know, monetary energy somehow, either by taxation or just by, by currency debasement or uh, by issuing more stock or by gold miners mining more gold, you know, um, it's just, this is the only thing that you can guarantee that it doesn't get debased and it doesn't have any human control over it. It's like, so it's, it's code. It's like a calculator that you know is going to give you the right amount every single time, no matter what calculation you, you put into it. Right. And this is something that, you know, humans have trusted in the past. It's just, it, it might be different to trust now because it's money and it involves money, but it's the exact same idea. You're putting your, your monetary energy into code that, that works and doesn't, you know, it can't mess with it. Right. So eventually, People circle in on the truth, you know, and the, the circling is happening right now. More people are, are realizing it. And uh, it's, I honestly feel blessed to be living at this time, watching all this happen and participating in, in all of this. Uh, before that, I was, if, if there was no Bitcoin in my life, I don't know how I would have felt. I would have probably been more depressed right now. Uh, now I'm full of life and energy and, um, you know, things are just great. And you said that before, you're full of life, you're full of energy, you're looking forward to the future, you want to make the best food for your customers, be the best service to your customers. This is what sound money does. And when people talk about, especially... The, the boomer generation, I'm not picking you out if you're listening, but there is definitely a uh, 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 a kind of narrative there. Oh, if only we could go back to the good old days. What you're actually talking about is your childhood when you were growing up under sound money or the sounder money. It wasn't completely sound back in the 50s, but it was far sounder than we've ever had since 71. Yeah, That's what you're yearning for. You're not yearning for the good old days. You're yearning for sound money. And if we can help people understand that is where we need to go, I can't imagine what humanity can achieve. 100%. 100%. People like you, Daniel, are doing a great job. Um, I'm like, you know, fascinated by the amount of work and content and knowledge that you guys put out there. Uh, you and everybody else in the community. Um, that, like seeing you guys do that, it, it put a fire under my butt 
to try to help. And I've been trying to, uh, you know, tweet educational content, uh, have people go down that rabbit hole as well. Um, and talk to people here in the community about it, you know? And I want to ask you about that in a sec, but I want to go back again. Um, sorry to keep dragging you back to stuff we've been talking about yeah. before, but uh, I know you you said, and I've read your tweet thread, that you did uh, a lot of stock investing. And one of your obviously, you know, many, many people's favorites and mentors, Warren Buffett, and the fact that he called Bitcoin rat poison. I would love to know now, you know, how, how do you feel... How do you feel about that? And like, uh, did you look at him differently now, or what? What's the what's the feel now? You're completely like set down a different path. Yeah, so uh, I still respect Warren Buffett as a guy. Like, I've learned a lot from him. So I don't want to bash him that way because I kind of bashed him a little bit in the past, and I feel kind of guilty about it. But. Um, I did buy I did buy some of his stock in in the March dip, and I ended up selling it and buying Bitcoin with it all. Uh, after it went up a little, so yeah, I don't think I don't think his advice on Bitcoin has any backup. Um, I don't think he did he you know did his homework on it at all. Um, I think it's you know for him seeing a lot of speculative bubbles in his lifetime and his past um, probably makes his defense, his guard go up uh, when he sees something like Bitcoin. I kind of understand where he's coming from, uh, but I, I think he has no idea what Bitcoin is. Yeah, I came to the same conclusion and uh, I, I find it a real... So it's a bitter pill to swallow when when somebody like him or or Ray Dalio as well uh, just refuse to kind of even like put in the work because you know as soon as you put in the work it's intuitive it, it, it's, it, there's not actually that much work you need to put in and for guys to have been in finance and in this career as long as they have I I just can't put. I can't figure out how they're not seeing it or why they're not seeing it or if there's something else at play. And it's just, yeah, it's a, the, 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 it'll all get washed out, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I was just curious to, to, get your, to get your thoughts on that. And yeah, I find so it a big I, shame. I have, I have an opinion on this, actually. I think uh, a lot of people made their, made their conclusions about Bitcoin maybe back in 2015, 2016. And even back then, when you would have done a little bit of research on it, there was no um, good educational content that teaches about Bitcoin in the right way. So, and I've noticed that with some of the people that I talk to uh, right now in the community, they're, they're, they're just giving me arguments and they're showing me that they have an understanding that's close to none. And um, they, they just very clear that, you know, they just did a little bit of research and didn't really look any further beyond that. Right. 
But now, now Daniel, you have a university of, you know, people giving lectures. We have, you know, the once bitten lecture, right? Uh, we have the, the other podcasters, right? Pomp and Peter and, and everybody else, right? And they're, they're educating people better and better every day. And, you know, like now when you get into it and add to, you know, add to everything that's going on in the world, right? And you get into the right um, knowledge, you have a way better understanding of what it is. So it's so I think true. that's a big problem. I think you, you, you've hit the nail on the head. They, they, they probably had a, a touch point back in 2015, maybe even earlier, and the content wasn't out there. I know this for sure. I, I was part of that class. And yeah. for me, I held on. You know, I, it, For me, it was a speculative asset. I didn't even know what a halving was until about this last <laughs> halving, I think. And I'd already, <laughs> I I'd already held through one. I'm like, you know, what? what? What's this? Uh, but we didn't have the breed loves and and Parker and and Safe and and these guys putting out amazing content and Brady with his podcast and uh, you know Stefan and um, well I've got to ask you uh, Peter or Pomp Pomp or Peter Oh boy <laughs> <laughs> they're they're both. Amazing. amazing. I don't want to, I don't want to choose this. Everybody's we, we, choosing now. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> we'll move on from that. I'm sure neither of them listen to the show, so we don't have to worry about it. Uh, maybe Bree does, but who knows? Uh, so what did you, what did you study back in, in Egypt? What, what were you, what was your, your so, line of education? And I studied the marketing uh, originally mm-hmm. and um, so when I came here, it was just, we took over the restaurant. It was mostly just operations and running, running the floor. And now I've actually turned into handling all the marketing for, uh, for Tahini, right? So I do all the social media, all the YouTube, all the advertising. Uh, I manage the Twitter account. So if you see any tweets by us, it's, it's probably me. And, um, yeah, and, and I, you know, I think I can use some of my skills to, um, to do a little bit of marketing for Bitcoin in order to help people, you know, so. And I love trying. the tweets, man. I love the <laughs> tweets. I, I love your updates and all the food updates. Uh, you make me hungry every time. Uh, I, you're going to have to do something for the, the carnivores out there. Uh, you, you know, because they're going to start getting angry if you if you're wrapping all that meat in bread and putting some kind of salad on it, they're going to be they're going to get the shits. So you better you better look out for Bitstein and uh, and safe. They're going to be coming for for the, the full meat platter. But um, I, you, I know you guys get visits from Bitcoiners because I saw this the other day and we were supposed to record and we had to postpone because of our internet problems here. Uh, but then the next day. You had a great story about a Bitcoin that came and visited you. So let, let's let's hear that. Yeah. So honestly, you know, ever since we came out with our announcement, I have, you know, been amazed on how um, compassionate 
and educated and smart the Bitcoin community is, right? We've seen nothing but love from them. Um, just like whether it's support from another country or people driving like an hour and a half just to come sit with me for a little bit. We talk a little bit of Bitcoin, we eat some food and then they're on their way, you know? Um, you know, and, and to see that is just amazing. I didn't expect that at all. Cause you know, when I was a lurker, uh, before we came on with the announcement, uh, you kind of see like the whole community is very defensive and aggressive and, and you see a lot of the aggressive stuff like being pushed out there. And, and I was a little scared to be honest, uh, on how they would react to it. But, you know, like I said, we've seen nothing but love from this community and I absolutely appreciate that. And I love everybody in it, you know? Um, but yeah, like this is, this is a great attitude to have as a community, you know? Um, if they're, they're like a pack, you know, pack of, of wolves together with their families, with their friends, they're friendly and cuddly and, and, and just would go the distance for for each other. But if you get any attacker, you know, like they, they huddle up and they attack back and, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the traits of, of, uh, of the family, right? And I see Bitcoiners have those traits. And I, uh, I'm truly, you know, grateful to be part of this family because you don't want to be on the other side of it. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly don't. You really yeah. don't. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're on the other side of it and unaware, that's fine. We'll, 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 we'll help you understand. But if you're, yeah. if you're on the other side of it and just being a dick, then like just forget it, man. Like uh, yeah, your boy Keith McCulloch over at um, Hedgeye. Like my God, <laughs> how he got taken down is just brilliant. Uh, you, yeah. you know, just don't don't even try. It's um, and Sailor is uh, another one bringing up like the the Cyber Hornets. Obviously, very very famous one now. And another yeah. guy that come out of nowhere and straight down the rabbit hole on the bullet train and. You know, just click, 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 all the pieces into place, uh, just like yourself. And it's just amazing to see that, uh, well, you know, the, the other people that are going to follow you, that the, the class of 2020, man, like this is exactly what we need to, to drive this thing forward. 100%. And as, you know, as I was listening to Michael Saylor in his interviews, it felt so similar to what we went through. Um, but of course, he's doing it at a, at a level, you know, much higher. <laughs> and, but, you know, the, the, the reasons and the principles, you know, the first principles are the same. And she has an amazing way of articulating that. Uh, and he really is just a great addition to the community as a whole. Um, and, but, you know, it's, it's easy for a rational person to figure all this out now, you know, because it just makes sense, right? If you, if you really put, you know, put your brain into this, 
you'll figure this out and you'll understand why it's so important. Uh, but you know, like you just, you just gotta have to see the problem, right? We saw the problem and we were able to maneuver and adapt quickly because this is war, man. Like COVID is kind of like a war, uh, but it's not with anybody, uh, not with any other country or anything like that. It's a war with a virus, right? You gotta, if you don't adapt, you die, right? And you just gotta have that mentality with your business and with your wealth and with everything really, right? So, you know, when you business, you'll figure out how to adapt, you just grind and hustle. But when you wanna adapt with your wealth, you gotta be smart about it. And you gotta, you know, think really deeply about it. And I think the best way to adapt at a time like this is to go on a Bitcoin standard. Wow, here, here, well said. And great to hear that um, that you've you've done that with your business and are inspiring many others to, to think the same. So I got a question for you then. You know the final yeah. question. If you had one, yeah. if you had one Bitcoin pill left to give, I won't call it a color. If you had one <laughs> pill left to give, who would you give it to and why? Okay, so I was actually thinking about this for uh, ever since we talked about this. And at first I was thinking uh, Gary V, but I kind of changed my mind on that. And now I'm thinking Mo Salah of, of Liverpool. Right, okay. Yeah. Go on then, let's, let's, let's hear and why. Safe so, be happy. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Mo Salah has um, like his his following and his reach and his personality is just so genuine and he cares about um, helping people he truly does you see it in his uh, donations and his charities and, and all of that and uh, he's huge in Europe, right? Especially in the UK, right? Mm. And he's even a bigger deal in the Middle East. So Mo Salah in the Middle East is King Mo Salah, right? Like he is, his posters are billboards are everywhere and, and his, his phones are huge. And, and he's a genuinely good guy. And he's also um, like, so I wrote a tweet about this um, before where I think that uh, Bitcoin is actually a good money for Muslims because it's an equity-based money. It's not money that gets lent out or, or you know, it's, it's not a debt money. And in our religious teachings, Daniel, we're actually forbidden to use interest. But the whole world has been kind of, you know, working on this debt economy that, you know, we really don't have a choice. If you don't do that, we don't live with the world, right? But Bitcoin gives that 
answer because it's an equity-based money. And this goes really deep, but if people, if, if Mo Salah is able to really understand that and how that can, can you know, be an, an economic instrument of empowerment for the whole world, not just, yeah, not just Muslims, obviously, but like really for the whole world, he can, you know, people can really get behind that and he can have a big impact on, on the world. That would be an incredible shout. That would be amazing. And yeah. uh, it, I'm probably going to ask you a really dumb question here, but what, what is the language in, in Egypt? Arabic. But it's like, uh, yeah, Egyptian Arabic. We have like, uh, kind of like the, you know, the British uh, accent and the U.S. accent. The Arab countries, they also have like different, you know, uh, accents. So there's Egyptian, there's Syrian, there's Lebanese. But yeah, it's all so, Arabic at the end of the day. So I asked um, when I had Lucky on the show if he wanted to... Uh, do a quick message back home to, to anyone that, that might be listening in his own, in his own language. W- would you want to do the same if anyone's listening? Do you have a, a message to any friends or family back home that uh, want to learn about Bitcoin? Um, <laughs> wow, I've never... Uh, uh, I guess I could tell them... You want me to say in Arabic? Yeah, man, that, that, that'd be cool. Okay. Uh... Love it. And hopefully hopefully we'll have Mo Salah doing goal celebrations and lifting his T shirt up to show a big Bitcoin sign underneath each time uh, yeah, he scores a goal or something. Hopefully, man. That'll be be the way to go. All right. Well, Ali, it's been great to to connect with you, to learn about your story and everything that you're doing over there at Tahini's. Uh, If anyone's listening in Canada, where where can they go and find you? Let's make sure people can come and find you if we've got any Canadian listeners. Yeah, you can definitely reach out to us on Twitter at The Real Tahini's. Uh, I'm in charge of the account. I see every single uh, message out there. If you want to reach out to us for a franchise opportunity or uh, or just want to talk, want to ask us questions, shoot us up. We'd love to talk. And um, yeah, just follow us there. Thank you for the support, everyone. And um, yeah. And and what cities can people come and visit you in? Oh, we're all over now. I'm last week I was in Whitby, and now I'm in London. I'm probably gonna be somewhere else. <laughs> you know, I don't know where I'm gonna be next week, so I just go week by week at it. We'll see how it goes. But just just DM me. We'll arrange something for sure. Excellent. Well, you know what to do, guys. Over in Canada, go get yourself a shawarma, hang out with Ali, talk some Bitcoin, and uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for having me, Daniel. It was was a pleasure.
Hey guys, thanks for listening and thanks Ali for coming on and sharing so much, man. That was uh, that was a great story. And, you know, kind of recounting those days when you're out on the street and, uh, and protesting, standing up for something that the whole country believed in. Like I said in the interview, we, we just never, we can never actually put ourselves in that position. We see these pictures on television, they just don't look real. We might look at them scornfully sometimes, depending on the narrative of the, the TV caster that uh, is commentating on, on what's going on. And we're seeing more and more of this, obviously, around the world, uh, Hong Kong uh, recently, and obviously what's going on in, in the US. And this is why, you know, we, we need Bitcoin. <laughs> we, we, how many times do we say it? All roads lead to Bitcoin. And if we could get this many people, real people, just looking at this thing and getting a little bit on board for themselves and for their families and, and taking this thing forward, then the, these these governments, these dictatorships, they, they'll end up just tripping over themselves because they, they, they'll just become the point of total, just pointless. And it, it seems like an off-the-cuff kind of thing to say, but... The more we learn, the more we, we go down this rabbit hole, the more we kind of look at life through a, a completely different lens. I'll leave it at that. Ali, thank you so much for coming on. And if you guys, if you're in Canada, go check out where the tahinis are and go drop in. Make sure you DM Ali, find out if he's going to be in your nearest store and then go make go make that trip. Go, go grab a kebab or a shawarma and... Um, chill out have some bitcoin chat support another bitcoiner and uh post it all over twitter so we uh we get to share in um in these these random little meetups because uh anything that's happening in real life right now is great to see uh some some countries around the world going back into to lockdown and uh, and further nonsense anyway um usual shout outs thanks so much to adam woodhams one for putting a the, uh, the show together make sure you go and follow Adam on Twitter at Jim Reaper for getting the website up and running that's once-bitson.com go check it out uh, coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten go start stacking sats for those guys over there big shout out as well to the boys across the pond swanbitcoin.com forward slash once bitten serving 49 of your uh, 50 states unfortunately new york uh, you're not uh, you're not able to stack there yet uh, hopefully that will change and um big shout out to the 21 ism boys the Britcoiners that are doing some amazing work over there uh love what's going on thanks at hodler than thou for the music in the background and uh just rock solid work lads keep bringing the noise keep it up love being a part of this Look forward to the next show. Thank you, everybody. Take care.